That's an eye scratch. That's not a mustache pull. Well, you, you know, I'm trying to deviate a little bit, and there's a you know a woman in the room with us. So I'm trying to be southern and polite, and my first thought was scratch my ass, but that wouldn't be very polite. So then my hand just went up away from my ass. It was natural reflex. You didn't even give me the finger in that one either, so I'm happy. Well, the finger was scratching my eye. I know, but like sometimes people scratch their eye with their middle finger, and it's like a thing. You know? Really? Yeah. Who does this? It's like when you discreetly want to give someone the finger. Oh, but it's not like you're scratching your eye and you coincidentally give somebody the finger. No, you're just pretending. Oh, you're talking you're about like some third grade shit. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> John Edwards with me as always is Zeke Baker and together we make the Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. Say hello to the folks, Zeke. Hello, hello. That's all you got? It was two. It's better than one. Yeah. All right. So Zeke, we have a very, very special guest with us tonight. From Taconic Distillery in Hudson Valley, New York, we have Carol Ann Coughlin, coming all the way down here to Nashville. Thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. My pleasure. We've been drinking your double barrel maple bourbon whiskey. Say that five times fast. Yeah, it's a tongue twister. It is, but we have been enjoying that. We've had a lot of your other stuff. We've had the barrel proof before. You brought some fun stuff for us to drink today, which is always first and foremost, the most direct way into our hearts is to bring whiskey you brought a barrel strength straight bourbon whiskey. Straight bourbon whiskey finished in ice cider barrels, which I've never seen one like that before. And then you also have a Cabernet finished bourbon. I don't even know what ice cider is. I'm not sure I do either. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nice funky green label though, huh? Is that like the company that you worked with? Is it their ice cider? It is. So it's a producer of ice cider. Um, and we had a request from a store in Connecticut. They bought a whole barrel. So they sent us the empty ice cider barrels and we finished the bourbon in those. So what is ice cider? John may know. If this is a northern thing, I'm, I'm totally missing it. it I know is what cider an- is. I know what ice is, like natural ice headache in a can. So... The word, the word ice is hard for me, honestly. Yeah, you're a, you're asking the wrong person, but um, it does have something to do with how they make it. It's got know. apples. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Well, that would be the cider component. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Is it, Maybe the apples are frozen before they make the cider? I don't know. It's just bourbon finished. Or maybe when apple the apples cider. are picked. Maybe that's what it is after a certain date when the trees are cold. I don't know. We have something you to learn. It's a good day. It is. I mean, I feel like I should walk across the room and go get my phone and Google this, but I'm not going to. <laughs> oh, this would be a good late night. Oh, I figured out what that was. I know. Anybody who's listening, I mean, we're just driving you to learn knowledge. So if you are driving by chance, don't do that right now. No, wait till you stop the car before you Google <laughs> what ice cider is. But Carol Ann, thank you so much for coming we feel like we've seen you guys doing great stuff for the past three years as far as as long as we've done the podcast but you guys have been around for six years as you guys started in 2013 right yes we started selling at the end of 2013 
What made you and your husband decide to open a distillery? Because PJ, and, and we all know him and love him. If you've had a chance to talk to PJ, he's great. He was a finance guy. What did you do before the distillery? So I worked in the corporate world a little bit. I stayed home with um, our three daughters for a number of years. I did a lot of nonprofit work in the town where we raised our kids. So we both were kind of at the point our kids were getting a little bit older. We wanted to do something different. PJ was tired of the finance world. And we were looking to start a business. We owned this property up in the Hudson Valley, which was kind of a weekend vacation getaway place. And we said, how can we use this property? We can raise animals. We can grow crops. What can we do? So we got what's called in New York State a farm distillery license. So technically, we're processing agriculture. Um, it's, we're processing grain, so it's an agricultural business. And uh, what I like to joke with people is that making whiskey is a lot more profitable than corn on the cob. So that's why we chose that. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. I mean, that distillery license has to be a throwback to the times you know, in the 1800s where every farm had a distillery on it. You know? Exactly. We talk about that on our website, too, that the area where we're located, you know, George Washington lived there and the Rockefellers, the Roosevelt's, um, and everybody had a, a distillery, in, including George Washington. George Washington's rye, his Mount Vernon rye yeah. is really good. If you ever get a chance to go try I have not tasted it. I uh, should. They, they actually have the distillery up and running again. Yeah, I've it's read about it. Really good. I was going to say, I've got some Mount Vernon pre-pro ride. It's a, a very interesting pour. Really? I don't think I've ever shared that one with you. Sorry. No. <laughs> I you weren't around that night. Whoops. I think you just kind of shared it to me to brag, but you never shared never. Like you just shared a picture and said, look what I'm drinking tonight. I did that? No. I don't know anybody named Zeke Baker that would do that to me. Distiller's license, are, I guess, are there different types and there like different advantages or things as far as the uh, farm aspect of it? Yeah, so we like to say that um, New York is not a business-friendly state, but it is an agricultural-friendly okay. state. And um, yeah, so we got into the business. I don't know how many New York distilleries there are now, but there are a few more. There are tons of breweries and mm -hmm. cideries, uh, a few wineries, but not as many distilleries. They're most technically so, under that ag forward umbrella versus we're just the distillery making booze kind of right, thing right like, so we're considered an agricultural business not a commercial mm -hmm. business it's interesting i know yeah. there's like a yeah. westchester weeded i can't think of the name still the one distillery maybe it's a number 914 yes. it's the area code of westchester yes. county yeah i've had 914 and yeah. that was pretty good there's definitely a lot of good stuff going on in new york but you know, so you guys started in 2013. What did you first start off with? Because right now you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, as far as I know, different eight. offer. Eight. We have eight total. So there's the Duchess Private Reserve. Right. And that's named for Duchess County, where, right. where your distillery is. You have a straight rye. You have a barrel strength bourbon. You have a regular bourbon. You have a founder's rye. You have the double barrel maple bourbon. Mm -hmm. You now have a Cabernet and now this ice cider. Is that what makes eight or are you counting the no, ice cider? No, we don't count the ice cider because that was a one-time deal. But we do, we have three finishes. We have a Cabernet and a Cognac for the bourbon. Mm. And then we have a Madeira finish for the rye. Oh, nice. So that's what makes eight. One thing I find interesting is, so you guys 
or craft a story, if you think about the different ways that you can come out, you could either distill a white liquid, mm-hmm. you can source, or you can come up with your own stuff. You all decided to put out your own juice. What made you decide to do that over other things that you could have done? So when we started, we, you know, we kind of created the brand, the label. We did buy some sourced age stuff initially, and we started the business as sort of a hobby and sold only in New York and literally went, you know, door to door self-distributing. And as the business grew, we realized we need to make our own stuff, let it age. And initially we only had the Duchess Private Reserve. We would bottle it each month and sell out what we had. So then eventually when we had more coming of age, we started to expand in other states. And then we wanted to make it purely a New York state product. So we sourced the grains locally from farms in the area. And that's a big selling point up where we are in the Hudson Valley. There's a lot of farm to table and really good food and meats and cheeses and all that stuff. So this is kind of a, you know, farm to bottle product. That could be cheap on your guys' end. No, because you have to sit on a lot of inventory. you got to, you know, put it in the barrel and wait. We got a lot of money in our work house. (laughs) (laughs) I I think we were talking to someone, we were talking about raising money for something, and it was just all a joking conversation. The person's like, all my money's in barrels. I don't don't have any money. Like, I'm not liquid. I'm liquid in a different way. It's liquid assets. Yeah, different kind of liquid assets. (laughs) The good thing is you can always sell it because there's, you know, there's a market for it. But as a finance guy, PJ has to be going crazy knowing that it's liquid, but not in the way that he would like. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You do have to sit on it. That's, um, but that's what, you know, it's an advantage too, because we can do that. So a lot of people will sell Everclear. They'll do vodka and gin because you can distill it and sell it right away. But yeah, we decided to only do brown spirits. So that's what we're sticking with. So what did you guys decide to do with those grains? What did the mash bills end up being? So what we did initially is we, when we started the business, we ordered a bunch of samples and literally sat around the kitchen table with a few friends and did kind of a blind taste test and decided which one we liked the best, which was ended up being the Duchess Private Reserve. So the mash bill is 70% corn, 25% rye, and 5% barley. And so all our bourbons have the same mash bill. Who decided on the mash bill was it you or pj because is is it one of those things where like he realizes happy wife happy life and you know it's it's whatever you liked better that you went with or was it divided it was was a it was a group session it was kind of a majority rules and and we sort of came to a consensus we were all picking the same thing but you were right of course (laughs) Absolutely. Isn't the wife always right? Absolutely. That's the way I live my life. Um, and so that stuff, y'all had run or source samples? I missed that part. We source samples initially. Okay. Yeah. Because we didn't, I mean, we didn't have any bourbon. That, that's we what started I thought, from that's scratch. I so, to make sure. So yeah. That. So we bought a bunch of samples, tasted it, and, and then settled on the mash bill we wanted to use. And was it all from the same producer or different folks? I believe it was all from the same place. Yeah. One of the things I could tell you, we always like to sit around and and shoot the breeze before we start recording. And and one of the things that it's easy to figure out is how knowledgeable you are and how much you know. I I think it's also probably because you've been living it for six years. But 
How much did you guys know before you got into the whiskey business? Not much at all. <laughs> and uh, PJ really is the one who started it. And he went around visiting distilleries, read a lot of books. Um, he's been in the business world, so he's invested in a lot of different kinds of businesses, mostly manufacturing. So he did a lot of the initial research and I became more involved after the business was somewhat established. When we built our new building, bought the still, opened the tasting room, all that kind of stuff. Because that didn't take y'all too long. I mean, that was three years where you kind of blew up and it's, you guys had a 600 square foot barn Barn, that you now said, okay, I've now blown up and we need more space. One of the things that we talk to with a lot of craft distillers in Tennessee is a space issue as far as aging. We don't have rick houses, you know, so yeah. there a lot of people will, will do contract deals to get their whiskey aged at some other location. Do you guys do that? Do you have rick houses? What was going on? So that's on an interesting question. So we did start out in our six hundred square foot barn. It literally is a little red barn and we were elbow to elbow. We didn't have any space for aging. So what we did initially by necessity, and now it's part of our design, is we bought a bunch of metal shipping containers. So those big metal boxes you see on ships or on the back of trucks. And we put them out behind the barn and uh, put a padlock on it. And that was our bonded warehouse. (laughs) So when we outgrew the barn and decided to build a new building just down the road, so we have 115 acres, so it's about a half mile down the road from the barn When the building was ready to go and up and running, we actually removed all the barrels from the shipping containers and dragged the shipping containers over to the new space and reloaded them. So we do have a rickhouse built into the new building, and it's a metal, it's like a big red barn, it's metal, and it's uninsulated, so it is similar to kind of the shipping containers. So we do, we have a rickhouse there, but we still have a bunch in the in the shipping containers out back as well. That's actually pretty neat. I've never heard of anybody aging in shipping containers before. It's we used to have a place in town, 404 Kitchen, that was actually a restaurant in a shipping container. Oh yeah. And then they moved it. It was a restaurant and a hotel. And then similar to you all, Chef Matt Bolas just did such a good job. He outgrew his space and moved across the street. Now there's a pizza place where the the shipping container was. They're in a big, brand new, wonderful building. Well, I think they do that in Canada. Some of the distilleries up there use the containers and stuff. I think I've heard that. Maybe. Maybe. Well, that's pretty neat. So it was three years and you guys just all of a sudden blew up and it's like, well, crap, we need another place to go. And then also you guys kind of realized you're bigger than New York at that point, right? Where you're starting to kind of get out. Now you're, you have distribution in Tennessee. So any of our listeners that are listening in Nashville, you can go down to the store and get Taconic down here now. Yes. Yeah. So we're mostly in the Northeast. So basically our footprint is from New Hampshire down to Maryland. And then we're in Tennessee, Georgia and Texas. Which I appreciate because when I go home to visit my parents, yeah, I can still you can get buy it in Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm thankful you're in Tennessee because more times than not, we're uh, one of the last markets people seem to find for whatever reason. It, it's slowly changing up there. Yeah, but, I, I think it's a great market. Um, 
when I first came here, somebody said, isn't that like selling sand in the desert? You know, you're going to sell whiskey in Tennessee. But uh, I think it's a great market. You guys are serious about your whiskeys. I think people really, we, we, I don't want to be a broken record because people have heard Zeke and I talk about this way too much, but Nashville just being so close to Kentucky, you know, we're 45 minutes away from Kentucky and then two hours away from Bardstown. Mm -hmm. People forget how whiskey forward Nashville is and how whiskey crazy is. And if you think about all the distilleries that are in the middle Tennessee area, you know, there's about 10 distilleries that are a stone's throw from us right now. People kind of forget how crazy Nashville could be. It's really nice when, when people like you and PJ and, and other distilleries come down here where we can kind of be like, see, Nashville's going to surprise you. Yeah, I, yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised. You know, we when I'm selling up in the Northeast, you go to stores and they say, you know, okay, I'll try a few bottles, I'll buy a couple of cases. I came to Nashville and they said, I'll, I'll take a barrel. <laughs> I'll take four barrels. <laughs> You must have seen Justin and James. Yes, that was Justin and James, yeah. <laughs> so I know Barrels and Brews is going to have a few Taconic picks that come out. Yes. Any other place that are doing a Taconic pick that, that people should look out for? Yeah, there's one right now at uh, Red Dog Wine and Spirits. Night. So all our Franklin contingent. Yep, in Franklin. And, uh, and there's another guy who bought a half barrel, but I think he's keeping it for himself. Smart man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Smart man. Are you starting to see any of the private groups come in? Yeah, we have had a few um, uh, barrel. In fact, I had someone come up to me in a tasting in New York City, and they said, hey, I just got this You know, from my whiskey club. I just saw it. So that's kind of fun. What's your favorite out of all the eight now? Oh. <sighs> That's it's hard. It's like having children. You're not supposed to pick a favorite, right? I mean, I know you're a tremendous saleswoman at the same time, and you don't want to say one is better than the other. Well, I can tell you, my personal favorite for sipping is the Duchess Private Reserve, the ninety, the uh, ninety proof straight bourbon whiskey. The barrel strengths are a little strong for me personally. I love the flavor of them, so I like to taste them, but I don't really drink them as much. And then our Founders Rye, which is the straight rye whiskey. I really enjoy in cocktails. Nice. Yeah. Well, I thought you just, you know, you, you rotate which kid's the favorite depending on the day of the week, but as long as it bounces out over you know, Yeah, but you're not really supposed to month, tell them. <laughs> look, I, I got all of you four days out of this were my favorite. All I have to tell you is I know I was the favorite. As long as every child thinks that, that's what's important. Oh, right? no, I know. <laughs> I, there's a difference between thinking and knowing. I mean, they tell you that beard looks good. Yeah. Tell me I look like a big teddy bear. <laughs> Zeke doesn't like my beard. Says a guy with a mustache that looks like he should be driving a van. I'm past the van stage. We've, we've clarified this. No, you still have... The hat goes with it, too. Yeah, you're wearing a Kid Rock for Senate hat with a... I, I wish I had my camera around here. I would take a picture for everyone to see. Well, no, that's what's even the better irony is the, the Kid Rock trucker hat. With the camo taconic pullover, everybody assumes that I'm was from, a nice look. From Northwest Georgia, you know, probably rural redneck, most likely thinks one certain way, and I won't go into all that. But in reality, it's the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> Zeke, Zeke does the bait and switch. You know, that's all I gotta say. He's a big bait and switch guy. What you see is not what you get. No, right? yeah, you gotta yeah. keep folks guessing. 
13 states. How many, you know, how big can you guys get? How much are you producing? Can you feed the beast as you guys continue to grow? We can. So far, so good. So initially, I, I said we sold out every month, and now we've got enough aging. We've got a lot of stuff in wood. Um, we can produce, I believe, um, about 20 barrels a day as we're running. So, um, and we just do, you know, we're doing kind of five-day-a-week plan. So the cooking, fermenting, and distilling um, and we can always up that. So we have plenty for now. So how much do you and PJ get involved in distilling, or did you get other people to help you with we that? We have a distiller. We are not chemists. We say that to people. We also aren't farmers, so that's why we don't grow our own corn necessarily. We, we buy it from other people. Our distiller is a chemical engineer. Zeke knows more of those X's and O's than I mm. do as a pharmacist. He, uh, he understands. I might have known him at one point. Let's clarify that. Yeah, I know. We get older. And it's been a long time since any uh, organic happened. Ugh. Yeah, we say we're business people. We're not pharmacists or chemists. I'm a talker. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so the rye, is that 100% rye or is it mixed? It's 95%. 95%. And I asked our uh, distiller, why Why is that? Why, why is the 5% barley? And it has something to do with the enzymes and the cooking. And I can't explain it because I'm not a chemist. But you could ask him. And sometimes barley can smooth out. Thing, you know, so they'll put it in there just for a taste right. profile thing so that you know the rye can have a lot of spice in there and some mm-hmm. people like just a little bit of a cut. Yeah. No, it's enzymatic. It, it, I don't know what it is. but No, just... but it's, it could be both. It could be enzymatic and, and it can... It has to do with growth and bacteria and the yeast and everything and it, it probably uh, probably what ignite, ignites the uh, chemical reaction that gets it going, we might guess, like a catalyst. You know, the molecular bonds that... <laughs> <laughs> that could be made through the enzymatic cohesion of... Let's just stick to whiskey bonds. Yeah. We're better what at What he said. I'm just trying to sound we're, smart. Yeah. We're better at bonding I, over whiskey. Let's just stick with that. Synergy is, is what it all comes down to. <laughs> Cidergy? Cider? I So have you been drinking... Let, let's talk about these for a minute. Have you been drinking these, Zeke? We, we have the barrel strength bourbon... We have the ice cider finished bourbon, and then we have the Cabernet finished bourbon. I've had the barrel strength um, now on the ice cider. You know, roughly a year ago, when the other Taconic folks were in town, they brought the barrel strength. Honestly, it was 100% a crowd, a crowd pleaser. I think everybody kind of turned their head and looked. And, Hold on, what y'all just pour me? What was that? Where'd it come from? Like. It definitely led to, you know, folks making eye recognition with the label as far as, you know, like, all right, hold on, I need to look for that because I'm not going to know what this is if I don't pay attention right now, but I think I need to pick up a bottle of that. Good stuff. The thing with me on the the barrel strength, it's like a sweet heat. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like got, and not in a bad connotation because it's not candy or fake, but it's got that cinnamon red hot aspect to it. But it's sweet, and that comes through where you're you're actually thinking about those taste notes. I mean, you smell it, and it smells hot. You know, it smells yeah, like I picked, a I picked it up more on the smell. I put nose. It was somewhat alcohol forward, but it is you know high proof. But palate wise, I got some mix of really apricots, like some type of golden wheat, 
little bit of rye, um, almost like a honey waffle cone. Did you get a little bit of that tingle? Like it, it had that little bit of cinnamon tingle to me. I, I did get the the fruit notes and it was now that you mention it, I mean I could it was really, it was really more of an afterthought. I think it was just oh yeah, I'm drinking one fifteen proof. If I don't get a tingle then somebody's lying or something's wrong. <laughs> What's the age on this one now? It's about three and a half years now. Okay. Yeah. So stuff we're taking out is uh the end of 2015. So do you have some stuff resting a little bit longer or? We do. Technically, we're kind of bottling most everything at this point when it comes of age. Um, but we have talked about at some point maybe putting a little bit aside. Will the trailers always be in play or will it all go to the ricks now when the new stuff comes I out? I think it, it, you know, for now, we're going to keep using them and we want to, you know, don't mess with success. We want to keep the methodology the same. And we are going to build another building for more storage we know being from the south especially you know i wouldn't advise in the winter time up there because none of us would handle it but the summertime you'd have like a trailer park party Mm. roll out some barrels and you know just go to town that sounds fun that's what what we read next to (laughs) what what, you want them to just make a bonfire in between all these shipping containers so should we invite people to bring their their trailers and park them no, no, out you, next to the containers. We just use trailers with the barrels, so you just have you know, everybody congregate somewhere oh. around them, roll a few barrels out of the trailers. Yeah, you could do that. And uh, you know, a, a makeshift quote unquote trailer party with bourbon. That sounds fun. That's not the first place my mind goes, but maybe I'm just not for a trailer well, I, party. I, I thought it was a fun segue, especially if you know you're up north and like, oh, this is what the southerners do. Oh. <laughs> uh, Regardless of what you may think, not all of us that hail from the north think of, you know, the southerners as trailer park partying people. Why not? <laughs> what, you want the stereotype to be <laughs> perpetuated? No. <laughs> Running around the trailer park and getting drunk after dark. White and trashy. Is that a Kid Rock hey, song? Yeah. No, but it is a song. You can find it. I'll, it's called The White Trash Rap. It was on some kind of syndicated TV show years ago. I actually have it saved, though. Trust me. That, There's some yeah, things I keep saved. That's another thing that people have to Google, I guess. Um, and I did have a good friend once that has a bought a, a, a little parking sign-looking things and has it at their home reserved for white trash and money parking. <laughs> I saw that. And I was like, man, did it up right. So anyways, I really love this barrel strength. That, I think, is one of my favorite things that you all put out and where you would probably gravitate towards the 90 and the Duchess. I really love that barrel strength. I don't, yeah. pick, I don't pick up corn in it, what, 70%? There's plenty no. of things that are much more aged than three and a half years with possibly even less than 70% corn to where it dominates the profile. To me, that would you know speak volumes to where the grains are sourced from, and, and in that hundred um, percent, you know, John, I, we continue to say we want to learn more about it, and just obviously don't have time to. But grain selection, I think, gets overlooked more than anything in maybe not even whiskey, but just distilled spirits in general, and and how much of a difference that can make. Of literally, yeah, you can see these numbers and these percents, but clearly, it's not apples to apples by any means right it depends where the grains come from and some people say there is a terroir to the grains 
similar to grapes for wine. Yeah, no, we had that uh, same conversation with some friends this week, honestly. They were talking about being out in Texas. They'd gone to a winery. Some of the stuff they liked, some they didn't. But as they were leaving, they had their windows rolled down. And, uh, you know, crosswind or whatever came over, dust, dirt blows in the car. And they said that the taste that was in their mouth from the dirt was the exact same unpleasant taste they found <laughs> in the wines they didn't like. And since they were, you know, on the grounds, obviously where the grapes were, being the vineyard, this is, has to be it. They're just not growing these things in the right kind of soil. And that off-putting flavor profile never went away. Or they didn't wash the grapes before they put them in and all the dust got on them. <laughs> Covered in dust. But it, it's, I think it's an extremely balanced whiskey. I definitely would recommend that one. I know as we go through this stuff, Zeke, I would have a bottle or two of that in my house. And I would definitely be looking to our places like Barrels and Brews and Red Dog that are going to have a pick of that. I know that Justin and James down at, at Barrels and Brews and Dan was probably there too. I know they're going to pick a good one. I know the, the good folks at Red Dog are going to pick a good one. So I am 100% all in with that barrel proof. No, and I, I think even though there's not an age statement on there, it would surprise people to find out this is how old. Mm. And there's plenty of other places where uh, you know the, the four-year benchmark is kind of the uh, I guess industry standard almost and then you say nope haven't even got to four yet but you're probably going to enjoy it that's not something that, that we're just saying because Carol Ann's here because as we go down I, I'm i not a huge Cabernet fan. I, I, I saved that one for last yeah <laughs> we saved that one for last but that's just our and then you'll cleanse your palate with something else but that's just our, <laughs> our personal preference of, yeah. of palates I think the dryness of that one is just you can tell it's a good whiskey it's just if you like wine it's going to be something I as Italian as I am I kind of stopped drinking wine a few years ago just because it was giving me headaches Yeah. and I think it's the dryness of that Cabernet finish that doesn't necessarily go with my palate, but there's nothing that's off-putting with it, right? Like, I think if you enjoy wine and you enjoy I am, I have to confess, I am a red wine drinker and I like Cabernet, so I do like that finish. And I used to be a huge red wine guy and it's just something clicked with me a few years ago where I was like, "I'm, I'm done doing wine. It's all bourbon or nothing, pretty much. Or, I All mean, the better for us. Yeah, absolutely. The cider. Now that's something that not everybody can get, so I don't want to. No. I don't want to gush about this too much and have people I'm perplexed. Are you? For lack of better words. But I think it's crushable. Per, perplexed. Well, really, it's for, not lack of better words, just lack of words. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's the ice thing hanging around in my head for some reason, but I really. I mean, this is this a, a rye or a bourbon? It's bourbon. Okay, because yeah, to me, I get a subtlety to it and a feeling of like some low rye rise, where the rye is not overly prevalent, but it has this strange cooling sensation. That's why I laugh about the word ice being like the the, the ice gums that give you that 
warm but cool, kind of like a, you know, a menthol or camphorous, you know, type of effect would be. It's funny that you say that because it has like a little spice kick up front and then it's cooling in the back of your throat when it gets there. So it's like... And then to me, the rye circled back around toward the back end or what I felt was a rye profile, really. Uh, but it's, it's a, a cooling, warming, mild spice. <laughs> like I kept trying to write notes and I couldn't come up with any and there was nothing bad to say either I wasn't trying to not write something to be off-putting it's just nothing came to mind but I just kept sipping it I don't know <laughs> it's like, it's I mysterious don't know I don't know why I just wanted to keep sipping well, I, mean, I think the first thing I thought of was like alright I wonder where this progresses is say you had it straight out of the finished barrel and progressed it with a little bit of water a little bit of more water a little bit you know all the way down to 90 and I wondered how much that flavor profile would change move or, or the nuances that would come from that I wonder where this would be from like 105 to 110 you know not you don't want something like this to be it, it'd be fun to have like five different glasses with you know those little different notches yeah. and go through them all and, and see how much it did or didn't move but I'm even more intrigued for the store that came up with the idea, or I assume it was their idea. It was. They approached us. <laughs> Have they done it before with other products? or Have they? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Zeke wants to know if he could do one with peaches for him, because he's a Georgia peach. If you bring us a barrel that used to have peaches, we can pour some bourbon in and see, see how it works out. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, peach is a little different profile. Why don't we just take a road trip, you and I, up to New York? We'll we'll throw a barrel full of peaches in my truck. So did, did you put notes for this or no? I just said it's crushable. Like my my notes for this is just this is one of those ones that I don't think it wouldn't last Zeke more than two days. Because he keeps sipping it. Yeah. Hey, it's it's been known to happen. But I, it's one of those bottles that is just, it's great for, it's almost like having a little bit of a mini cocktail because you have that spice up front, the cooling apple at the back, and the finish is, is more apple to me than... Do we know what kind of apples went into it? Ice, ice, ice cider, apple. I mean, frozen cider apples, I don't, apple? I don't know. I mean, I've seen that orchard whatever stuff they sell in the store, and it's like red, green, whatever. There are a lot of different Well, even within all those, there's... Yeah, there's tons. There's even granny... Even just in New York, yeah. Granny Smith is a green. With what led them to have the idea of, we're going to give you a barrel. You dump your juice in it. We're going to buy it. Like, especially if it was a totally new experiment. That's a pretty yeah. ballsy move. I think it's... <laughs> pretty interesting i mean one of the things i'm surprised people haven't done yet is that you think of like uh people that age coffee in bourbon barrels we've done that really yeah coffee beans coffee beans but then you know because we have a red eye rye which is a nashville company oh i saw that it's coffee infused rye but I'm surprised nobody's done a coffee-finished bourbon in which it's the... You take a bourbon barrel, you age coffee beans in it, and then you age bourbon in it again. We have not done that. So we have a coffee roaster down the street from the distillery, and we give them bourbon barrels. They put the green beans in it. Yeah. And we kind of roll it around and let it age for a while, and then they roast the beans. 
It seems interesting, though. It could be... If we took the barrel back and put bourbon back in it again. It might be awful. It might be... It might be. almost like a Tic Tac. Like if you took the either the green or the white ones and mixed them with those orange ones that are sweeter. Oh, but those orange ones are like creamsicles. Yeah, you take like a green or white Or baby aspirin. And mix it with an orange Tic Tac. Put them in the mouth at the same time. I think that's where, where this would go. You agree that the bottle is going to go down quick, right? No, yeah. I'm sorry. I've just been trying to figure out what matches this profile. Instead of uh, instead of jelly beans for this one, I, I really think like Tic Tacs, like one of those green or white ones that are just that strong mint. mint. mint I mean, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll get a hold of you. But then you throw in like an orange for that sweetening balancing. I'm, you taste more? I love how we're all going for this one yeah. again. And this is the one that we're never, you know, Zeke. <laughs> It's I'm not gonna, available. I really when I heard the name, I was like, hold on. Ice, cider, finish? Like, what, the, what is this? <laughs> I'm going to take this one home and split it up and then give... I made the frowny face the name of it. Like, ice, cider, finish? Like, who did this? If I leave this one here at the house, oh, yeah, you can. It'll, it'll be gone before I come back. I'll put something else in there for you. <laughs> is that where you put Old Crow in again? Yeah. You already did that to me once. Hey, look here, man. <laughs> Last but not least of the ones that we're tasting, we have this Cabernet finish. And you're really looking forward to that one, John. No, I mean, it's not in a bad way. I do... I'll at least say with with the ice cider and the perception I had for that, I have a, I, my, my mind's more open now. I'm, I'm not as reserved towards it. Admittedly, like John said, I, I'm much less of a wine person than he is. I, I don't get into it, don't really do it. That kind of always leads me to be a little... Skeptical? Eh, that or, you know, you already have an opinion before you taste it, which yeah. is not a good thing. Yeah. I'll admit that the, it's there. We have a lot of friends that are big winos and, and know way too much. I mean, one of the only things that I really have that is anything of importance is I have a Chateau Margaux that owner of a horse farm gave me when I was still doing radio. We went to his farm to do a broadcast... And he brought us each a bottle of Chateau Margaux. And that's like the one that I know it's almost kind of at its peak and I need to pop it open. I just never have had a good opportunity. You know, my daughter was born and there wasn't a lot of drinking going on in the house at that point. So we moved on to other things. I, I know I got to pull the bottle out and drink it here soon. but I didn't think wine went bad. It does after a while. It peaks. Oh, really? There's a peak date. Do you know this more so than us? I don't know a lot about wine, no. So you can actually Google. Here's another thing you can Google. Uh, where What's that wines website? Have the LMGTFY.com. LMGTT. <laughs> but there's peaks of when wine kind of reaches its apex and then goes down. It's not bad at that point, but it's like if you drink it up to a certain point, it's going up. And then there's Is it how long it's been in the bottle? How do you know that? I, I That's a mystery to me. I know a little bit to bullshit about everything. Yeah. That's kind of how I live my I life. I mean, you can have someone come to your wine cellar and say, you need to drink this now, yeah. this one you need to wait. I don't know how they... But that's why being a sommelier takes years and yeah. years because you have to study everything and that person is going to know much more than I would when something's going to hit its peak. The funny thing is, though, that I would say about red wines and white wines, I almost think as a red wine, like I get more of a drier taste from a white wine whenever I have it, which is why I've always kind of been a red wine guy. 
But when it comes to finishing bourbon, I almost get a drier taste from a red wine than I do from a white wine finish. I've never tasted a white wine finish. We have one that we will let you... God. <laughs> we have That's one. a good sales pitch. We're not going to mention it by name, but before you leave, okay. we will, we will let game. you have a, a sip of it. Those of you that have followed our podcast will might know what this one was, but we, we just won't mention it by name. It's been stuck in the cabinet for a long time. We keep trying to give it to people and they're not taking it. <laughs> well, and technically, I can't even say the name. John can pronounce it, but I can't. I can't even remember it right now without looking at the bottle. It's some long words. So anyways, what do you think about this Cabernet? At first, I get the the bourbon side of it. It transitions fairly well. It's not like some that I've had that almost like encapsulated where you get completely one profile and then completely the other. But once that transition moves in towards the finish, that's where the red wine side of it shows. It's not parching. It is drying and the redness just subtly builds into the finish. It's definitely not um, the most uh, puckering face I've ever made or, or turned up. Wait, Z got turned? No, no, you you know, like a pucker. Like, yeah. Like head turning <laughs> up poor, like, God, what did I have it? Who gave me this? It's admittedly not my cup of tea, but it is much less off-putting than plenty I've had, for sure. I think I get the grapes on the nose, too, though. If you smell it, I mean, the bourbonness is there, but there's definitely a wine aspect to the nose. I think the, the taste, it's the beginning of it is very, and I've since learned from people within the industry, it's okay if I say this, the taste is smooth. I do get those traditional bourbon things, but then the finish in the, in the throat is all wine. It's not a bad thing. It's definitely a good pour. It's just not my pour. But no, and it's strictly, everybody has their own path, they all have their own preferences, and yeah. plenty of folks gravitate to this, and especially if you look at other whiskeys like Scotch, where everything, oh, that's a Sherry PX finished. I don't even know what Scotch is, but somehow everything that Sherry PX finished, <laughs> some people think, oh, gotta be good, like give me two of them or some shit. Like, I, I don't get it, what I've had's not that good, but... Clearly, there's a market for it that's outside of John. But I own your preferences. I would have brought a different bottle. Well, no, but I think that <laughs> no, I would have tried something. And, and to me, I get a little uh, on the finish, a little bit of a berry, I would say, berry or cherry. But I think that's one of those things that it's a whiskey that stays true to the wine finish. It's a good whiskey. It's just one of those things that it's not our jam. But I think if you have a friend that's a wine drinker, and they always mm-hmm. say, hey, I'm a little bit nervous about getting into bourbon. Right. I mean, Zeke and I are way too far down the rabbit hole in some aspects mm-hmm. to be yeah, able to be get people barrel string stuff, too. Like, let me try a little bit of your bourbon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a 123. What do you think about that? But it's like, hey, you typically <laughs> drink wine. And I would almost probably have a bottle of this to have. For when people come over and say, hey, John, I know you're really into bourbon. I drink wine. I'm like, all right, I I got something for you. Let me give you this and see what you think about it. I say that, too, about our maple. It's a good starter bourbon. For people who are nervous, they haven't tried bourbon before. It's got a little hint of a maple flavor, not super sweet. We just, a couple weeks, did a show on that where we compared batch three to batch four. And, man, 
They're very, very good. So the aging process, is that, like for these finishes, is that a standard time or is it strictly, let's put it in there and we'll thieve it every No, it, so it's often. pretty standard. So we take it out of the original barrel at about three years and then we put it in the second barrel and let it sit for six months. Over the summer months is when we do the maple. Well, what about, I mean, so, for like, a, like the ice and then... You know what? I don't remember how long we left in the barrel, but it was a certain number of months. Gotcha. It, it wasn't standardized. Didn't know if it was a. But the Cabernet. Yeah, somebody go taste that and see if it's worth. See if it's ready. Yeah. <laughs> no, this the Cabernet and the cognac, and um, we it's six months, so we know. We started that as kind of a lark, the Cabernet, the cognac, the Madeira finish, um, to see how it worked. We did just a single barrel of it and put it out in the tasting room. So that's kind of our, our lab where we can test things out. And if it's a hit, then we decide to do it again. So those three we've done several times. So what else do you guys have up your sleeve then that's sitting at the tasting lab? We don't, well, we have, um, we have Everclear that's called Copper's Ghost. So right off the still, it's 124 proof, I believe. Um, we only sell it in the tasting room. I don't know that we'll distribute that. That's a kind of a limited release item it's probably a good thing for cocktails and then folks get a good cocktail yeah some people make margaritas out of it or limoncello yeah it's like I've been there white dog from places before literally because you taste it by itself and you're like I don't know about this and you're like no no this is not meant for that way though right let me show you our cocktail you're like oh yeah Take one of those. But I get some dog that's one, you know, because normally when you buy white dog, it, they proof it down to 90. Oh, that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, man, I get some white dog at 124, you know? Yeah. I'm like, we, we might need to talk. I got some experimenting I need to do. So that, that 124 proof white dog might be right up my alley. But if you could craft a bourbon or a finished bourbon, what is something that you've always wanted to try that you haven't tried yet? Mm, that's a good question. Well, I like wine, so I would do Cabernet or different. I mean, we've done Cabernet already, maybe a different wine finish. You know what nobody has done? And I think it's a very underappreciated <coughs> wine, is a Malbec. Mm. It may be a Malbec I like finished. Malbec, yeah. It's, it, Malbec is always yeah. one of those things where you know, everybody goes for the, the Cab Sav or the Pinot Noir, and mm-hmm. you can get a really good Malbec, and then you look at the prices of it, okay. and I'm not being cheap, I'm just They're saying. They're usually from South America, yeah. 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 They're a good Argentinian Malbec. You yeah, can, that could be a good idea. Maybe that'll be our next experiment. You never know. I do like Lambrusco randomly. Something about it being fizzy and whatever. I don't know. Mm. Cheap, too. I usually don't have a sore throat. Just, like, drink that for the day. It's enough to numb the throat out. Perfect. It's medicinal. So what's the biggest thing, before we close out, because we've been talking for a while, what's the biggest thing that you've either learned or your favorite thing about owning a distillery? And I know that it probably took a little convincing to get you to get on board with your husband coming home being like, hey, honey, I'm going to open a distillery. Because <laughs> like, if I went home and tried to do that, I know the look <laughs> I would get on my face. But what has been the best thing or the, the biggest thing that you've 
got from this whole experience? Well, it's, it, I have to say it's, it's a fun industry. It's a fun business. As you all know, it's very social, but because we were, we are a family business. Um, my husband and I work together, which is kind of fun in the fall, certain seasons, we work a lot on weekends, but at least we're together. So that's kind of nice. Um, I think if we had done this, uh, we've been married for 27 years almost. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I think if we'd done it 20 years ago, it probably wouldn't have worked as well. So you all got married when you were 10. Exactly. <laughs> Child bride. <laughs> well, we thank you so much for sitting around with us and, and sharing your product and just sharing a good night. Uh, where else can the folks find you? Are you on? No, you're on Instagram. We're on Taconic. Instagram and Facebook. So Instagram and Taconic Distillery, Facebook at Taconic, Taconic Distillery. Distillery. Yeah. And it's TaconicDistillery.com. Yep. You can Website. Carolyn, thank you so so much for coming. Thank in. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Come back again soon. Zeke I needs will. more camo pullovers. And uh, you can go ahead and find us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. You can find us on Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Join our Facebook group. It's a private group. Answer a couple questions. We'll let you in. There's about 3,000 people in there right now. It's good times. Follow us on Instagram, please. That's where the majority of our information is going to come out besides our Facebook group. Please follow us on your favorite podcast app, which we know you're already doing. We're on Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever it is, we are on it. Please leave us an open and honest review. Zeke, where else can the folks find us? Nashville, Tennessee, which is uh, an area or just Tennessee in general where I will say we're, we're thankful you guys uh, put us as one of the earlier markets. It's uh, Nice to see. And I should mention that we will be covering the Whiskey Warmer this Saturday at West Haven in Franklin, Tennessee. As you all know, we've been hyping that up for a little bit. But the weather last weekend moved the event to this Saturday. We are also going to be covering the Nashville Cocktail Festival, which is something that you wouldn't expect two dads drinking bourbon covering but we are very, very excited to be doing it. There is a panel on bourbon that's going to be at dinner at Husk on Thursday the 25th. I'm really excited. There's a tiki panel. I want to do, drink some tiki drinks. There is the Can open... you how to build a tiki bar? I would love to build a tiki bar. <laughs> I'm going to dance the hula for you too, Zeke. Oh, God. But also the the Tuesday night opening party, there's going to be Armagnac and rum there. These are all things that are right up Zeke and I's wheelhouse. I do like the X. You can keep the rum. <laughs> Cheers, and thank you again, Caroline. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Ciao.